0: many many years ago um, i had the privilege of helping to direct a move from a style driven worship plan to a content driven worship plan and it's never ceases to amaze me how when god's people come together and they focus around uh, teaching through lyric uh, how clearly God speaks, and there's just something special about music that is different than other ways that we communicate with each other, and uh, I so much appreciate uh, Ken's absolute mastery on the piano, and um, my lovely wife's sharing from week to week uh, her voice, and uh, Logan, you uh, never cease to amaze me what you can do with that box, I mean, it's just amazing, like, he's doing that on a box. And uh, it's been a great privilege to get to see Dustin grow in his relationship with Christ over the years. I met Dustin when he was still a teenager, uh, pre-marriage, pre-children. And it's been a great joy to be involved in somebody's life long enough to see kind of the ebb and flow of what that all looks like. And uh, it's a great joy to be led by him. And, and you did so well in what you chose to bring before us. I appreciate the many questions that I've received over um, getting to go visit my parents. It's been a year since I've got to see them face to face, and it was a really wonderful week. Uh, my dad is is gravely ill, but he had a grand week, and I'd like to think it was my arrival that caused everything. I, I know a little bit better than that, but uh, I'll take as much credit as, as I possibly can, but it was a wonderful time to spend both with he and mom, and we were doubly blessed by the, uh, the last day that we actually we were on the way to the airport. I got a call and uh, a house that they have been trying to sell in Wyoming finally had an offer on it. And so we're working through the process of that. And that's been a huge burden for them both uh, to be living near the Canadian border but having a house in a completely different state, not being able to take care of it. And uh, they seem to have this penchant from finding out where nowhere is and then moving 70 miles out of there and so um, where they live now is um, cell phones kind of sort of reach if the wind's blowing right. And I had great cell phone service, but the wind shifted. I went from four bars to Zippo. And Internet is a joke. I'll just put it that way. For those of you who are aged, and you'll know what I mean, if you remember dial-up, you are now aged. And uh, that's about what they've got when it comes to Internet. It's just, it's worthless. So... But thank you for your prayers and know that they have been answered positively and it's been a great grace. I have uh, served here now for a year and I had a very, very clear message from the Lord, as clear as any eyes I've ever received uh, in teaching and one of the commitments that I made that I've only been able to manage partially well, not near as well as I thought, is to remind on a periodic basis what that message was. And so I want to start there, and then I'm going to pray a prayer that I've prayed many, many, many times over this ensuing year with you. Every time I pray it, uh, God speaks to my own heart and really encourages me. There's different sections of this prayer that will speak to me differently, um, but every time I am ministered to. Um, and then I'm going to teach you a, a passage that I think that is god in his design has really allowed us to see at a at a specific time for a specific purpose he said okay this is the date for that and uh, i could never have planned it that way but i can sure recognize that god is magnificent in the way he does things there was three points that i shared a year ago one is that it's our responsibility as christians to love each other the way that jesus loves us period it's Christ's command there's no equivocation no workarounds it's what he demands of those who belong to him secondly healing comes through repentance the things that we endure on this earth are a result of sin and that sin has its effect by causing damage to us in our bodies in our spirits in our communities all the way around And that when we repent of sin, then there's a restoration that God does by the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. We still live in a world that's full of sin. We still sin. We still do the things. But God's working that activity of reconciliation, of healing, when we choose to repent. And then the third thing was to join Jesus in his mission. In this world, we always have this challenge of, A, what is... Jesus is doing right now and be will I get out of my comfort zone enough to join in what he's doing we see in the gospels that Jesus pulled people out of their comfort zone continuously it was like almost a given that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus at all you weren't going to do it in your box your box was going to get destroyed and then there was going to be a new paradigm introduced and that was a paradigm of dealing with what it were whatever it was that Jesus was doing and where he was leading so he took fishermen and they stopped fishing. They took tax collector and stopped tax collecting. You know, he took somebody that was out and about um, trying to overthrow the government and introduced him to uh, the overthrow of the government of that individual's heart. I mean, this is what Jesus did, did and what he does to this very day. And so I think that it's a good reminder, although it hasn't been a year since I've reminded, it's been a good, a good reminder to remember these are things that were given as a message to this congregation and still are necessary for this day. Let's pray. Lord God, today I'm called to be a peacemaker, but I'm unfit for the task. By nature, I'm a peacemaker and a breaker, so I need myself help. Others ask me to understand and guide them, but my ears are dull, my eyes are dim, and I lack the wisdom they need. But you, Lord, have all they need, so I come to you for supply. Make me fit for your purposes, so I might serve them and honor you. Cleanse me from my own sins, so I will not add to their problems. Take the logs from my eyes, so I can remove the specks from theirs. Fill me with your spirits so they may benefit from your fruit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Give me wisdom from above so I might be pure and peace-loving, considerate and submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Open your word to my eyes and to my heart so I will have a steady lamp to light our path. Strip me of my own agenda and desires so I might look only to others' goods and be absolutely worthy of their trust. Help me to model everything I teach so others can see the way. Give me humility to admit my weaknesses and confess my wrongs so others might do the same. Draw me again and again into prayer where you can strengthen and correct me. Make me submissive. Help me to show that I myself am under authority Help me to treat others as I want to be treated so that they may see the essence of your law. Make me creative, versatile, and adaptable so I can adjust to the surprises ahead. Help me to accept others as you view as view have accepted me and thus bring praise to your name. Give me faith and perseverance so that I will not doubt your provision or abandon your principles even when others fight against them. Grant me the gift of encouragement to give others hope and help them believe that our labor is not in vain. Help me to model your forgiveness so relationships are healed and your gospel is revealed. Grant me discernment so that I may read the deep waters of others' hearts, sort fiction from fact, and know when it's time to act. Give me boldness and courage tempered with kindness to confront others in love so that they might see their errors and find their way back to you. Help me to prepare thoroughly and not presume upon your grace. Make me just and fair so that even if people disagree with my counsel, they will believe that I treated them well. In short, Father, please give me the spirit of Christ so that I might walk in his steps and guide your people into the path of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you have your Bibles whether it be electronic or print, and that you will open them up and find the letter attributed to Peter, 1 Peter, and find the third chapter. We've been working our way little by little through this letter, and it's incredibly challenging in all of its aspects, but this past section, these several weeks that we've been in this letter, are incredibly challenging because they speak directly to the authority. Peter is going from one group to the next group to the next group to the next group, and he's in each one of those groups giving this challenge. Who's your king? Who's your king? Who's your king? So he starts off with, and it makes some sense, it really does, with the king. Say, okay, there are kings, there are governments, there are rulers, there are authorities, and this is how you're supposed to respond to them because Jesus is your king. And then he goes through the relationships that we have all the way down to how a husband treats a wife and wife treats a husband. The husband and now he's going to sum up the whole idea, and the bottom line is, for the Christian, Jesus is your King. Period. And because he's your King, you're going to relate to this world much differently than anybody else. Because Jesus is your King, and Jesus promised this. I mean, Peter had at least paid enough attention when Jesus was talking. You know, and they were walking and doing their doing life together. To get this part, I mean, Peter, like all of us, we'd like to pick and choose the things that we remember and the things we don't like. We like to forget and the things that, you know, connect with our personality. We like to remember those. Uh, and Peter's no different. But there are some things that he gleaned that I think that from his own experience and also from just the great grace of God's presence by the Holy Spirit in his, his life that really revolutionized him. And that Jesus is king is really core and central to that we see this in this letter so he's gone through all these relationships and they're all worth looking at again and i hope that you would if you've not read this passage recently would would go back but in verse 8 of this letter he says finally or to sum up or this is the capstone of the whole idea all of you should be of one mind sympathize with each other love each other as brothers and sisters be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude don't repay evil for evil don't retaliate when insults with insults when people insult you instead pay them back with a blessing that is what god has called you to do and he will bless you for it for the scriptures say if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do what? Turn away from evil and do what? Good, there you go. Search for what? And maintain it and work to maintain it. Uh, Because peace is kind of like one of those, it's kind of like laundry, isn't it? It's never really done. You got to work at it, work at it, work at it, work at it, work at it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. I've got just some statements based on this passage I want to share with you. Uh, it's nothing going to be incredibly deep or you know, really philosophical, but it is going to be incredibly challenging. All of these things that Peter writes that, we're to be can only happen, only happen if Jesus is my king. Because if Jesus is my king, then I might be unified in thought with somebody that I don't agree with. That's actually possible. Um, it happens in all of our relationships, whether it be our family, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, children, those kind of things. Marriages, you know, that's one of the keystone of a good marriage is not agreeing about everything because even if we, d- we agree in principle about things, we tend to think about the thing that we agree upon a little bit differently, don't we? Those who are married, you can, you've, you've experienced this. You can say, well, we both agree this, but I see it this way and I see it this way. But being unified in thought comes as a result of Jesus being my king happens in the congregational life. It happens in community life. Being unified in thought isn't being a lockstep. Everybody sees the thing in one way. And I think that that's something that we've, in our culture, have completely lost sight of, which is no great surprise. Minds that are falling aren't going to catch this, but it is incredibly concerning in the church that we think that in order to be unified in thought, we have to think about everything the exact same way or about a thing the exact same way. And that's not at all true. And the reason why it's not true is simply because Jesus is my king. If Jesus is my king, then my particular viewpoint on, his, on a specific thing doesn't necessarily have to be pushed to its nth degree. I can be unified with somebody that sees it a little bit differently than I do Because we both agree that Jesus is king. And they can be unified in thought with me as well. Even if we don't wholly agree about something that maybe is even very important. I shared a couple weeks ago about a theological argument that I had with a very dear friend of mine. It remains unresolved to this very, very day. He's still wrong. There's just no two ways about it. It's just the way it is. But, but... Jesus is his king, and Jesus is my king too. And so although we we disagree about a very important thing, and he's wrong. I can love him because Jesus is my king. When Jesus is my king, I can also be unified in emotion. This is one of the, the, the great challenges I've seen in the church for many many decades and it's it's a weird thing you know, there's there's this uh, I've learned a lot living in Kentucky that uh, about the sad side of this you know this culture is far better at weeping with those who weep you know I've I've watched and I've I was a pastor for for 20 years and did my share of funerals and and Uh, would stand there sometimes for hours with the family as they were greeting people that were coming to express their sympathy I've seen lines that have been hundreds of people long and folks have waited hours for three or four minutes just to tell someone that they're sorry that they've lost their son or daughter or mom or dad or uncle or whoever it might be to just let them know that they're grieving with them and that's been amazing where I grew up that didn't happen it, it just really didn't. There was, people were moving all the time, and I think that that really made a lot of difference. Uh, when in the years that I was growing up in Oregon, the average residency was just it was like two and a half years, two point six years, and so every couple of years people would move, and so there wasn't these long-standing family and community relationships because your community was constantly changing. But here, that's not that way. And there's folks that have been multi-generational in the same area and they have. Children and children and uh, cousins and second cousins all these things they have these very deep, very deep relationships. And so I don't want to say anything more about that other than uh, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be able to weep with those who weep and to be genuine, genuinely connected to what other people are feeling, particularly in difficult days. But one of the, the flip side I've noticed is while we're so good at being sad with people, we're not so good at being happy with them. You know, somebody gets a promotion to the job, you know, that's nice. You know, there's no like, yes, that's awesome. I know you've been working so hard for that. You know, if there's some genuine success about something that's gone on, you know, know, move on. You know, that there's both sides to that. And the unity and emotion doesn't just come when you have to feel sorry for somebody, but it also comes when they're doing really great and you get to celebrate that success with them even if it's just a private success of maybe stopping a habit that has been killing them for a long while or doing something for the first time that they've never done before, those kinds of things as well. And, And so that, I think, is part of what we can do if Jesus is our king, is we can grieve real grief with those that weep, and we can have joy, real joy, with those that have success, even if we're not experiencing that very same success. And so that's a challenge that I think that is worthy of being laid out before us in these days. If Jesus is my king, then I may also be unified in connection. Peter says, love each other as brothers and sisters. There was a little ditty I learned as a a child. So you can pick your nose, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your. You heard this? Yeah. It's like, you just said pick your nose in church. I did. Yeah, You can pick your nose in church if you want to. We can't pick our relatives. And uh, as a child, I thought, well, that's fun. You know, most of my relatives I really had very little to do with. They were were moving around all the time. So I I would only see aunts and uncles and cousins very, very rarely. Um, So that really didn't have too much of an impact on me until I started learning that my family was the family of God. And so I would go to church and there would be all sorts of weird people there. I'm serious. And the preacher kept on telling me, "These are your brothers and sisters." And I kept on telling God, "These people are weird." You know, they they're they're old some of them, you know, some of them you know we There was a period of time where there was a couple of folks that we just prayed they'd make it through the service every Sunday because we didn't know what would happen if they actually died while seated. I mean, it's just we didn't know. And then there were others that kind of were difficult and others that were really loud and others that dressed way too nice and others that, you know, they're just weird people. And God says, they're my people and you're related by my blood. You can pick your nose, you can pick your friend and child, but you can't pick who I love. And being able to do that and really, really work hard at maintaining those family relationships when it's so difficult because let's just be honest with each other. We're weird. We just are. And some of you think that I'm weird, and that's okay. I understand it because I am. And I will return In some cases, that very same opinion of you. But if Jesus is my king, the weirdness isn't the problem. It isn't. In fact, our connection because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus is the promise. And that's amazing. And I believe that in this time of of viral infection, in this time of political upheaval, in this time of economic uncertainty and in this time of preparing for what i believe is going to be much more difficult days ahead and i believe that very firmly that it is also the time that we as followers of jesus christ have the greatest opportunity to really demonstrate the magnificence of jesus being king because folks in the world will see that we're weird they will see that, and it will be very evident to them. But when they see that these weird people are really loving each other, and that they're unified in thought and emotion and in connection, that is a testimony that is incredibly powerful. So powerful that Jesus himself said to his followers, this is the way that people will know that you are my followers by your what? Do you know? Love. For who? Each other. Each other. The weird family that he adopted you into, that he put you together with, that's your earmark. And yet we are not seeing this in the church today. And while the world talks about love, 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 it continues to fall into greater and greater and greater disarray and hatred and wickedness of all sorts. And I don't see much difference in the walls of the buildings that are called churches in this world. And it needs to be different because Jesus is our king. If Jesus is my king, then I also may be kind in the core of my being. Verse 8 at the end. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil kindness in the core of who we are i know people that you just can't overcome their kindness i mean they kind of make me sick but i love them because i want to be like them i want to be the one that that can take that slap and still be kind in return i want to be that one that can bear that burden and still be kind in return the, the, it was really introduced as, as again, as a young man, and I've mentioned this individual before. And if you don't know who it is, I'd highly encourage you to read her works. Corey Boom, I think, fell into that category, somebody who lost her entire family due to the occupation of war, who watched her sister die in a concentration camp, not because she was Jewish, but because she was, as a Christian, took. Part in loving your neighbor as you love yourself and if they had been refugees being hunted down to be killed that they would wanted had somebody to welcome them in even if they did not agree regarding the gospel and so both Corey and her sister and her dad and her brothers were all subjected to this incredible evil and yet she was kind to the core of her being why because she was just one of those people no she's Testified over and over and over again the kindness came not from Corey, but from Jesus being Corey's king. One of the things that Peter does mention, I'm, and I'm so grateful for, is that if Jesus is my king, I can be confident in needing no defense. Verse 9, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God called you to do, and he will bless you for it. What a great privilege to be involved in a world that's constantly throwing insults and shade and all sorts of stuff and not have to have a defense. Why? Because our defender is king of kings and lord of lords. And if we remember that, no matter how oppressive and obnoxious and incredibly ridiculous our circumstance can be, has there anybody been in an incredibly obnoxious, ridiculous circumstance recently? Mm Hmm? If Jesus is my king, and he is the king of kings and lord of lords, I can depend on him to defend, and so I don't have to. I can bless when... A curse is more appropriate. I can endure when hitting back is more satisfying. If Jesus is my king, I can be gracious when grievously wronged. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies, turn away from evil and do good. Jesus is my king that I may be focused on what is eternally mine. Let's just be honest with each other. Most of the things that occupy us in these days are the things that are not going to matter much in a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or after we're dead. You know, I don't know. It just depends on the circumstance which one of those categories it falls into. But Everything that's important to us when we're dead no longer matters. So if, if you're a an nihilist and there's just nothing, you fall into nothingness. And then it's all done. You were your little speck in the omniverse and you had your little speck existence and now your speck existence is gone and you're being turned into other little specks in the omniverse. That's depressing. We'll move on. If you are a creation, as I believe that we are, and you live a life that God's designed for you, which I believe that we do, then our end either is an end into eternal separation from God, which is the most horrible thing imaginable, or eternal relationship with God, which is the most incredible thing imaginable. And all the things that we endure in this world need to be put into that context, that thought. So when we... Come out in the morning, and we're five minutes late already for work. And we get into our car, and we turn on the the key, and that little squiggly line with the exclamation point pops up on the dashboard that lets us know that our tire is flat. And the whole world just feels like it's coming down on us because we've got a flat tire. Then we can take a breath or two or five, however many it takes for you, and say, "Do you want?" In one week, this isn't going to matter because Jesus is my king. Or in one month, if it's really bad, you know, maybe you've got a big presentation you're now going to be super late for. You know, it's not going to matter because Jesus is my king. When we start putting the things that we endure in our lives into eternal perspective, that changes how we impact, are impacted by the things that happen today. It does not make them irrelevant. It's very hard for me as a son who was so in, just enamored with his dad. You know, started early. My dad could stick an entire navel orange in his mouth and eat it and not choke. That's impressive, folks. I remember just being in awe of his ability to do that. He'd do that just to entertain his kids. You know, I'm trying to get one slice out and, and chew it up so I'm not sh- gagging on it. And he did put a whole orange in his mouth. You know, my dad, who was a gymnast as a, as a young man, it just had that muscular put together. And he seemed to be so strong he could lift up the house. And lots of stories that that needed to be done a couple times, you know. But, you know, and to see the difficulty that he goes through now and to hear from his own voice that two weeks ago he couldn't hold a glass of water. That's hard. To watch my mom, who's been taking care of him all of these decades, just be distracted to the nth degree because my dad is dying quickly. And just watch her try to help him and not be able to help him and to deal with all the craziness. It's hard. But you know what? As hard as it is, and it is incredibly hard, torments me I know that in a few short hours or a few short days in a few short weeks maybe a few months who knows maybe a year or two that both my parents will be standing before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and so my disappointment my difficulty my struggle their disappointments their difficulties their struggles are now cast into the context of eternity. It does not make today any simpler, but it does give meaning because I'm focused on what's eternally mine. Jesus is my king, and I'm focused on what's eternally mine, and I'm able to do good when evil is far more convenient. I had this happen to me on Friday. I was at work. And uh, I have to go to our headquarters on Fridays to be at work. So I'm in a context of we're all socially distanced. So there's a lot of yelling that goes on in my office because we all have to be socially distant. It's kind of creepy, but it is the way it is. So there's so one of my coworkers is over there and yelling at another coworker who's over there and said something that was so ripe for a smart aleck comment from me. I mean, as soon as it got launched from this person over to this person i had that urge you ever had that urge i can say something really clever right about now and everybody's going to laugh about it and it's going to be just the right thing to say and and that urge came up and the holy spirit just said keep your mouth shut and it was in that moment that 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 great clever thing that i was going to say that i was going to yell back you know because I was now gonna be part of the triangle, the golden triangle of conversation. Got squashed. Because by biblical standard, it wasn't gonna build anybody up. In fact, it was gonna tear somebody down. My smart aleck comment was going to cast shadow on somebody's reputation and their work. It just happens to be a great irritant in my life. It was it was right there. It was like teed up for a home run. So the moment passed, I said nothing, and then there was joy, and so my contribution to that whole thing was my person who does not know the Lord, and my other person who happens to be my boss who doesn't know the Lord, I raised up, and I said, touchdown, and they're like, what are you talking about? I said, I just did not say what crossed my mind, and that is a great grace right there, We're able to do good when evil is more convenient. When I was in college, I had a a professor by the name of Richard Mobley. He was an incredible man, uh, full of wisdom and grace. Uh, Just, I was in awe of him. I took as many classes from him as I possibly could. And he said lots of things that I remember to this day, and that's getting to be decades ago, which is freaking me out. But it's true. And one of the things that he said about Jesus, because he loved the Lord and he talked about Jesus a lot, and one of the things he said about Jesus is that the uniqueness of Jesus wasn't that he was not able to sin, which many people believe, you know, Jesus is God and there was no temptation for him whatsoever. You know, he, he was incapable of sinning, but that he was able not to sin. And do you want, know folks? That very same ability rests in those who belong to Christ by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. We are now able not to sin. We can keep our mouths shut and have a major victory, a touchdown, because we did not add something that would have been sinful and it would have been sinful. What hit my mouth, what hit, hit my brain and was headed for my mouth at a million miles an hour would have been sin if I had let that come out of my mouth. But by the grace of God for once I actually listen to the Holy Spirit say don't you dare don't you dare If Jesus is my king then I may be a peace bringer when peace is difficult to find over and over and over again brothers and sisters you've been placed in situations and circumstances where peace is needed Maybe it's a comforting voice. Maybe it's a strong hand. Maybe it is a word of wisdom. Maybe it is a silent hug. Maybe it is a solution that is not readily seeable. Maybe it is any number of things. But if Jesus is your king, he will put you in places where there is no peace except for The peace that surpasses understanding living in you. And that we, as followers of Jesus, when he's our king, we can bring that peace to those other places. And I've seen this happen over and over and over again. And it comes in the ways that I just described. I had a friend who was going through an unspeakable difficulty in his life. If I were to describe it to you, you would not even believe it. It's like that is the stuff that fiction is made of. And it seemed that way even as I was watching him go through that. But there was a time when my friend who happens to be a male, a few years my elder, not many, just a couple years older than I, sobbed into my shirt. I was wearing a shirt like this one, as a matter of fact. And to be honest with you, I was wondering, I wonder if that snot is going to show up on my shirt. Because, I mean, he was just wrapped in sobs. And I could feel his tears through my shirt, my t-shirt. And I knew when there was that much crying going on, there was snot coming too. I know this is going to be called the booger message, but I'm sorry. We're just, you have to get over it. But he just cried and cried and cried and cried. And I just held him. That's all I could do. I had nothing else but just, you know, so what do you do when some guy's older yard's bawling into your shirt? But when he'd gotten all of that pain out for the moment, and there was more pain to come, but when he'd all gotten all that out, there was a peace in him that could have only happened through my tear-soaked, snot shirt. And I knew in that moment that God had allowed me to be peace for him. I said nothing. I just held him while he sobbed. God will put you in places by his grace to where you will be able to hold somebody, where you will be able to speak that word, where you will be able to celebrate that thing, whatever it be, if Jesus is your king, you will be able to bring peace when peace is difficult to find. There's a promise that's at the end of this passage, and it's a promise that I want you to hear. If Jesus is your king, if Jesus is my king, then we stand in rightness, and the king listens to us. Verse 12, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their what? Prayers. The Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So, what category are you pursuing? Are you pursuing the category of those who are doing right, that are expressing that? Jesus is my king because you have this ability to be unified in thought and emotion and in connection with the family of God in particular, that you can be kind to the core of your being, that you can be confident when somebody needs to defend you that the king of kings and lord of lords is defending you, that you can be gracious when you're grievously wrong, that you don't strike back when it's time to strike back because Jesus is your king. When you put all the things that you are enduring in your life, whether they be grand things or very difficult things in In the context of eternity know that all of this will either give me great grace of reward in heaven or will be forgotten in heaven and that's what i need to remember will you be able to do good when evil is right at hand and you have that ready to go will you be a peace bringer when peace is difficult to find will you be able to stand in rightness and know that when you say our father he says yes child Because he hears you. Because the relationship is unfeathered, And you stand in rightness because Jesus is your king. You may ask, well, how does Jesus get to be my king? Glad you did. Jesus gets to be your king when you surrender being king of you. All of us, every person on this planet, every single one, gets to a point where we decide I'm king of me. I'm doing what I want to do. And I'm going to do it the way I want it done. And there's no consideration at all for God. We all get there. Scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Rewritten, what that says is that every single one of us has chosen to be king. And we are terrible at it compared to God. But when you surrender that kingship to Jesus and he becomes your king and you receive the forgiveness that comes because Jesus died for your sin and for mine, And you are indwelled by God's Holy Spirit. It's an incredible thing. And if you're here or listening on Facebook or catch this later on, I'm going to just beg of you. Receive that gift from God of no longer being king of you and letting the king of kings and Lord of lords be your king. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we know we struggle. I've shared some of my own personal struggles with Jesus remaining king after he's been made king of us. So I'm going to encourage you. Once again, that he must be your king. It's not an option. We can't be religious and say, okay, God, I'm religious, I'm a good person, so this is good enough. No, he must be king of us, period. More and more and more, the longer we walk with him. And so if you look at your life and you say, you know what, there's some things where Jesus is just simply not king of me. Know this, if you confess that sin, he is faithful. And he's just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all the other stuff you still don't see. When Jesus is our king. This world is a much different place. Let it be said of these people. This is true of us. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word. Lord, I confess openly uh, with. No pride, only shame. Father, that I struggle with you being king of me. And even things where you've been king in the past, I try to wrestle from you to be king in the present. Lord, I'd ask that your grace would continue, not for the sake of my sin, but for the sake of your greater glory, your shine, that people may see more and more in me you being king. Lord, I'd ask in the days to come that you would continue to call your kids to yourselves, to yourself as weird as they are, and that you remind them firmly, clearly, that you're still king. Lord, in the midst of all of these things that we are currently enduring, in the midst of the things that we are yet going to endure. Father, whether it be dealing with somebody of a different race or dealing with somebody of a different economic background or education background or health background or whatever it may be, Father, that we would respond clearly and confidently in obedience to you. Father, for those that may hear this message and have yet to install you as king of their hearts, I pray that you, by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, would wake them from their sleep, that you would take out that heart that has not responded to your love, and that you place that living, breathing, powerful spirit that only you can do, and that you would add to your weird family the same.